Chapter Forty One of Nobody. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Nobody by Susan Warner. Chapter Forty One Chess. There entered upon the scene, that is, a little lady of very gay and airy manner whose airiness however was thoroughly well bred she was accompanied by a tall pleasant-looking man of somewhat dreamy aspect and they were named to lois and madge as mrs and mr burridge to mr dillwyn they were not named and the greeting in that quarter was familiar the lady giving him a nod and the gentleman an easy good evening the lady's attention came round to him again as soon as she was seated why philip i did not expect to find you what are you doing here i was making toast a little while ago i did not know that was one of your accomplishments they said i did it well i have picked up a good deal of cooking in the course of my travels in what part of the world did you learn to make toast asked the lady while a pair of lively eyes seemed to take note rapidly of all that was in the room rapidly but carefully lois thought she was glad she herself was hidden in the shadowy sofa corner i believe that is always learned in a cold country where people have fire mr dillwyn answered the question these people who travel all over get to be insufferable the little lady went on turning to mrs wishart they think they know everything and they are not a bit wiser than the rest of us you were not at the delages luncheon what a pity i know your cold shut you up you must take care of that cold well you lost something this is the seventh entertainment that has been given to that english party and every one of them has exceeded the others there is nothing left for the eighth nobody will dare give an eighth one is fairly tired with the struggle of magnificence it's the battle of the giants over again with a difference it is not a battle with attempt to destroy said her husband yes it is to destroy competition i have been at every one of the seven but one and i am absolutely tired with splendour but there is really nothing left for anyone else to do i don't see how one is to go any further without the lamp of aladdin a return to simplicity would be grateful remarked mrs wishart and as new as anything else could be simplicity oh my dear mrs wishart don't talk of simplicity we don't want simplicity we have got past that simplicity is the dream of children and country folks and it means eating your meat with your fingers it's the sweetest way of all said dillwyn where did you discover that it must have been among savages children country folks and savages i ought to have said orientals are not savages on the contrary very far exceeding in politeness any western nation i know of you would set a table then with napkins and fingers or are the napkins not essential c'est cela said dillwyn in a strawberry bed or under a cherry tree i should vote them a nuisance at an asiatic grandee's table you would have them embroidered and perfumed 
and one for your lap and another for your lips evidently they are long past the stage of simplicity talking of napkins we had them embroidered and exquisitely japanese work at the delages mine had a peacock in one corner or i don't know if it was a peacock it was a gay feathered bird a peacock has a tail suggested mr dillwyn well i don't know whether it had a tail but it was most exquisite in blue and red and gold i never saw anything prettier and at every plate were such exquisite gifts really elegant you know flowers are all very well but when it comes to jewellery i think it is a little beyond good taste everybody can't do it you know and it is rather embarrassing to nous autres simplicity has its advantages observed mr dillwyn nonsense philip you are as artificial a man as any one i know in what sense asked mr dillwyn calmly you are bound to explain for the sake of my character that i do not wear false heels to my boots don't be ridiculous you have no need to wear false heels art need not be false need it true art never is said mr dillwyn amid some laughter well artifice then artifice i am afraid is of another family and not allied to truth well everybody that knows you knows you are true but they know too that if ever there was a fastidious man it is you and a man that wants everything at its last pitch of refinement which desirable stage i should say the luncheon you were describing had not reached you don't know i had not told you the half fancy the ice floated in our glasses in the form of pond lilies as pretty as possible with broad leaves and buds how did they get it in such shapes asked madge with her eyes a trifle wider open than was usual with them oh froze it in moulds of course but you might have fancied the fairies had carved it then mrs wishart there was an arrangement of glasses over the gas burners which produced the most silver sounds of music you ever heard no chime you know of course but a most peculiar sweet mysterious succession of musical breathings add to that by means of some invisible vaporizers the whole air was filled with sweetness now it was orange flowers and now it was roses and then again it would be heliotrope or violets i never saw anything so refined and so exquisite in my life waves of sweetness rising and falling coming and going and changing it was perfect the little lady delivered herself of this description with much animation accompanying the latter part of it with a soft waving of her hand which altogether overcame philip's gravity and he burst into a laugh in which mr burridge presently joined him and lois and madge found it impossible not to follow what's the matter philip the lady asked i am reminded of an old gentleman i once saw at gratz he was copying the madonna della Seglia in a mosaic made with the different coloured wax heads of matches he must have been out of his head that was the conclusion i came to pray what brought him to your remembrance just then i was thinking of the different ways people take in the search after happiness and one worth as much as another i suppose you mean that is a matter of taste mrs wishart 
i see your happiness is cared for in having such charming friends with you oh by the way talking of seeing have you seen dulles and grant's new persian rugs and carpets i have been hardly anywhere i wanted to take madge to see brett's collection of paintings but i have been unequal to any exertion well the first time you go anywhere go to dulles and grant's take her to see those pictures are common but these turkish rugs and things are not they are the most exquisite the most odd the most delicious things you ever saw i have been wanting to ruin myself with them ever since i saw them it's high art really those orientals are wonderful people there is one rug it is as large as this floor nearly well it is covered with medallions in old gold set in a wild irregular design of all sorts of cashmere shawl colors thrown about anyhow and yet the effect is rich beyond description simple too another oh that is very rare it is a rare keelum carpet let me see if i can describe it the ground is a full bright red over this run palm leaves and little bits of ruby and maroon and gold mosaic and between the palm leaves come great ovals of olive mixed with black blue and yellow shading off into them i never saw anything i wanted so much what price oh they are all prices the keelum carpet is only fifteen hundred but my husband says it is too much then another persian carpet has a centre of red and white round this a border of palm leaves round these another border of deliciously mixed up warm colours warm and rich then another border of palms and then the rest of the carpet is in blended shades of dark dull red and pink with olive flowers thrown over it oh i can't tell you the half you must go and see they have immensely wide borders all of them and great thick soft piles have you been to brett's collection yes what is there the usual thing oh but i haven't told you what i have come here for tonight i thought it was to see me yes but not for pleasure this time said the lively lady laughing i have business i really do have business sometimes i came this evening because i wanted to see you when i could have a chance to explain myself mrs wishart i want you to take my place they have made me first directress of the forlorn children's home does the epithet apply to the place or to the children mr dillwyn asked now i cannot undertake the office mrs burridge went on without heeding him my hands are as full as they can hold and my head fuller you must take it mrs wishart you are just the person i said mrs wishart with no delighted expression what are the duties oh just oversight you know keeping things straight everybody needs to be kept up to the mark i cannot for our reading club meets just at the time when i ought to be up at the home the ladies went into a closer discussion of the subject in its various bearings and mr dillwyn and madge returned to their chess play lois lay watching and thinking mr burridge looked on at the chessboard and made remarks on the game languidly by and by the talk of the two ladies ceased and the head of mrs burridge came round and she also studied the chess players 
her face was observant and critical lois thought oddly observant and thoughtful where did you get such charming friends to stay with you mrs wishart you are to be envied mrs wishart explained how lois had been ill and had come to get well under her care you must bring them to see me will you are they fond of music bring them to my next musical evening and then she rose but before taking leave she tripped across to lois's couch and came and stood quite close to her looking at her for a moment in what seemed to the girl rather an odd silence you aren't equal to playing chess yet was her equally odd abrupt question lois smile showed some amusement my brother is such an idle fellow he has got nothing better to do than to amuse sick people it's charity to employ him and when you are able to come out if you'll come to me you shall hear some good music good-bye her brother thought lois as she went off mr dillwyn her brother i don't believe she likes madge and me to know him meanwhile mr and mrs chauncey barrage drove away in silence for a few minutes then the lady broke out there's mischief there chauncey what mischief the gentleman asked innocently those girls very handsome girls at least the one that was visible the others worse i saw her the one you saw is handsome but the other is peculiar she is rare maybe not just so handsome but more refined and peculiar i don't know just what it is in her but she fascinated me masses of auburn hair not just auburn more of a golden tint than brown with a gold reflet you know that is so lovely and a face well what sort of a face asked mr burridge as his spouse paused something between a baby and an angel and yet with a sort of sibyl look of wisdom i believe she put one of domenichino's sibyls into my head there's that kind of complexion my dear said the gentleman laughing you could not tell what complexion she was of she was in a shady corner i was quite near her now that sort of thing might just catch philip well said the gentleman you cannot help that i don't know if i can or no why should you want to help it after all why i don't want philip to make a mismatch why should it be a mismatch philip has got too much money to marry a girl with nothing mr burridge laughed his wife demanded to know what he was laughing at and he said the logic of her arithmetic you men have no more logic in action than we women have in speculation i am logical the other way that is too involved for me to follow but it occurs to me to ask why should there be any match in the case here that's so like a man why shouldn't there take a man like my brother who don't know what to do with himself a man whose eye and ear are refined till he judges everything according to a standard of beauty and give him a girl like that to look at i said she reminded me of one of domenichino's sibyls but it isn't that i'll tell you what it is she is like one of fra angelico's angels fancy philip set down opposite to one of fra angelico's angels in flesh and blood 
can a man do better than marry an angel yes so long as he is not an angel himself and don't live in paradise they do not marry in paradise said mr burridge dryly for why a fellow may not get as near a paradisaical condition as he can with the drawback of marriage and in this mundane sphere i do not see men never see anything till afterwards i don't know anything about this girl chauncey except her face but it is just the way with men to fall in love with a face i do not know what she is only she is nobody and philip ought to marry somebody i know where they are from she has no money and she has no family she has of course no breeding she has probably no education to fit her for being his wife philip ought to have the very reverse of all that or else he ought not to marry at all and let his money come to little phil chauncey what are you going to do about it asked the gentleman seeming amused but mrs burridge made no answer and the rest of the drive long as it was was rather stupid End of chapter forty one